Welcome to Sarcoma Soundbites with Brian and Bob, an Oncology Learning Network podcast. I'm excited to be here with Bob Mackey. I'm Brian Vantine, and we're going to talk about tenosynovial giant cell tumor, which is also known as pigmented villanodular synovitis. I can never remember those long words. I just say PVNS and TGCT, I guess. I guess it's important to differentiate tenosynovial giant cell tumor from regular GCT, giant cell tumor of bone, because uh, people may get those two things confused, although they are in very different anatomical sites, right? Oh, I absolutely agree. I've had uh, colleagues of ours that get those confused. And so it's important that when you see, you know, tenosynovial giant cell tumor and giant cell tumor of bone, which are things that sound very much alike, uh, you actually know the difference because they're treated very differently. You know, I know that... uh, uh, given all the experience, you know, historically, you know, when you were at MSKCC, what would you used to do with uh, uh, TCGTs when they showed up? Well, we didn't have a whole lot. It was really a surgical uh, condition by and large. And um, I guess for the, some of these, they would be resected, especially smaller ones in, in certain joints at least. And, and fortunately, they would be done. But all too often, the ones were especially around the knee would be recurrent ankles not much better but it seems like the the ones that we see the most of that are that are the worst are the uh, the ones at the knee uh, causing the most morbidity they really can't occur anywhere but uh, oftentimes they'll get the ones cleared out if they involved uh, a uh, small joint in the hand or, or something along those lines and then uh, I guess if surgery failed then back in the old days at least they would try things like external beam radiation and even for a period of time they were using intraarticular p32 which you may have used during your PhD days I guess, to uh, uh, examine phosphoproteins, but therapeutically didn't do a whole lot, it seemed. No, I I did do a lot of phosphoproteins, but I I think that radiation comes with all its own caveats these days. You know, I think what's neat is uh, when, you know, the paper came out in PNAS demonstrating the biology of this disease, I, I think it was groundbreaking. What did you think? No, absolutely. It was a that was a big deal. I remember being at the uh, Connected Tissue Oncology Society meeting uh, right after that came out. I was like, well, CSF1 is translocated in this tumor, and guess what? Uh, imatinib is a CSF1 inhibitor, and and there was kind of silence in the room for a while at least. But then uh, the the French picked up on it. Johnny Blay and so forth had that first case report that they mentioned uh, or they they presented a couple of years later. Yeah, no, I think this is just, it's neat that, you know, in our little small field with a very rare disease, the biology matters. So, you know, rare tumor research matters. And I I think what went on at Stanford was, you know, life-changing for people that ran out of surgery. So I think then we move on, you know, move up in history, and all of a sudden we're doing a phase three clinical trial, which I thought was really novel uh, in a benign disease. I mean, it was a well-constructed trial. They, you know, Dr. Tapp led a, uh, a phase one, but the phase three, I thought, was kind of an amazingly orchestrated trial. What were your thoughts? It was a really uh, yeah, good study, that's for darn sure. I mean, um, obviously it was needed for registration of, of the agent. And, of course, uh, you hear a lot about the liver toxicity of the drug, something that everybody needs to um, be registered for and to uh, report on patients as they uh, stay on treatment. That came out of uh, both, uh, actually, all, all the trials of, of pexidartinib, but uh, even the phase one data were pretty, pretty compelling. And but it's hard, I guess, for uh, regulatory authorities to give approval based on phase one data 
even for, and, and in particular for benign condition, I guess. So um, this is where that, I guess, the phase three trial was so impressive. And uh, it, I mean, to talk about um, impressive waterfall plots, um, they were seen obviously earlier on in the uh, uh, development of the drug, but uh, it was incontrovertible evidence that patients were doing better on that medication. You know, I can think of how groundbreaking this was to me. I had a patient on this trial who had a uh, cervical spine TCGT and couldn't look to the left because of the tumor. And about three months in, all of a sudden, she was able to look to the left, and this was life-changing. Not only was it life-changing from functional improvement, I turned her hair white. And so because of that, you know, I mean, this was a life-altering medication. But at the same time, the improvement in functionality, I really thought, was transformative. It's, it's, it's really impressive. And, and there are good uh, patient-reported outcome data that went with that trial that supported the uh, registration as well. That was a new tool that uh, Bill Tapp and colleagues uh, developed as part of the study. And uh, it's being used more and more, actually, in uh, some of these diagnoses where uh, they may not metastasize, but cause a lot of functional consequences, be it tenosynovial giant cell tumor, giant cell tumor bone, or desmoid tumors. Um, all those you know, don't generally metastasize or actually don't metastasize. Uh, maybe there are case reports of those sorts of things. But when you do see you know, as impressive data as, as uh, uh, you saw both in terms of the radiologic changes and the, and the patient-reported outcomes, you knew you had a medication that was, uh, that was useful. Like I said, I, I think it really has been rewarding. You know, when patients run out of surgery, it's kind of a hard job to have because you know, or it's hard to be that patient because you know, do you really want an amputation? And yeah. that, that's hard for benign disease. Oh, absolutely. And what do you think of um, the situation, though, that uh, if you stop the medication, it seems like people do get worse. It seems like it's going to be a, a lifelong thing to, uh, to be on this medication. Well, you know, I, I think that that is uh, something that we're going to really have to explore. Can we pulse it and then repulse it versus just leaving people who tolerate it on it? I mean, I think we're going to have to extrapolate partially from GIST data, but I also think we're going to have to learn from the patients we have. I mean, I think there are many studies that we should be doing with this drug, which is interesting because, you know, now other companies are entering this field. I mean, there's another drug coming out that's going into a phase one clinical trial for for tenosynovial giant cell tumor that is opening up across the country. So now people will hopefully have more than one choice. Maybe this will matter. Absolutely. And uh, I know uh, there was a nice report in Cell of, of I think it was a Roche intravenous um, antagonist of uh, um, CSF1. And it was interesting to see in that particular study that there was still the periorbital edema, which is just, uh, now we know it's characteristic of uh, CSF1 uh, inhibition, right? So, um, but there wasn't the, the white hair that you see or the liver function test abnormalities that, that are seen with uh, pexidartinib. Uh, I don't know enough about the uh, new phase one agent. I don't know if there are any published data on that yet, or um, perhaps it's going to end up being more tolerable or with less, less, uh, less liver toxicity. If that's the case, it'll be, um, you know, that, that much will be a, an improvement. Like I said, I think these are data that uh, we need to learn more about. I think it'll be interesting when that comes fully out and we actually see it presented if we ever get to go to another meeting. I mean, I, I think that this is the fun part about starting podcasts like this is that people can get their updates from Brian and Bob.